Hello, hello, and welcome to the Pause Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Molseed, and I'm an ex-professional road cyclist, now turned self-love coach. I want to take just a little moment to spread the gratitude from me to you and from you to you for choosing to press pause on your day and soak up some self-loving content. So no matter what you're doing, take this tiny little moment to take a breath before we get into it. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining again. I am really excited today to be welcoming another amazing guest and super grateful to have her join um, me for this conversation. And I'm sure it's going to be an amazing chat. I've got with me Katie Nicholson. She's from the UK and she's back on her home soil after spending a few years in Australia, which is where I met Katie. And we sparked up a a sisterhood, a soul sisterhood, I would call it. Um, Katie is an entrepreneur, a business owner, tantra yoga teacher, hypnotherapist, integrative nutrition health coach, and pleasure coach. So she's a woman of many, many talents. She helps women and people in general find more pleasure in their life. She's created key pillars to guide people on their pleasure journey and to just find pockets of pleasure in all facets of their life and learn how to do that because we all you know we all forget sometimes how to tap into that ability to actually enjoy life so Katie's your gal she's got your back in that area and any introduction that I share for Katie just doesn't do it justice you're going to have to listen to what she has to share. There's so much that I could say, but then we wouldn't actually have a podcast. We would just have me talking about this amazing woman. So Katie, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for that glorious introduction. I'm feeling very pepped up and pleasurable now. (laughs) (laughs) A bit of pleasure to start the the podcast off. So (laughs) for the people that don't know you, because I know you obviously a lot um what is your story who are you tell us all about you what you do go for it yeah so put very well I am a pleasure coach by you and you've highlighted my qualifications there but just talking a bit more about why I chose to do this I suppose and how I've come to where I am now it's all just been a a journey of self-healing and which then transformed into self-growth after a lot of the healing had been done um, and of course in that growth there's still a lot of healing but it, I've got to a point now where I've done a lot of the bulk work underneath um, healing lots of traumas and dealing with lots of different memories and patterns that I've picked up along my journey And then going through all my trainings and lots of therapy, I've really learned how to um, enjoy my life in a big way. So that's what I really want to share with people. Um, And as you say, there's lots of different pillars and foundational aspects to that. It's not all about hedonistic diving into (laughs) food, sex, drugs. It's not just about going crazy. It's about really building a foundation doing a lot of healing work doing a lot of growth work so that you can enjoy your life so that's kind of how I've got to where I am right now Mm. when you say um you've done a lot of healing to get to this journey you've obviously done a lot of personal development a lot of soul searching um where did you start out though like take us back to Katie when she was younger like what did you do who were you then that you you started this journey of becoming a coach and you've you've gone through a few different transitions in your coaching journey so far but obviously there was something in you at the beginning that was like I want to I want to help people um where did that begin like was it in childhood or was it in adolescence when did you get this feeling that you wanted to I guess, go down this pathway? Yeah, that's a really great question. So for me, it all starts kind of pre-high school where I'm at this stage where I've moved schools 
so much that I don't know myself because every time I move schools every two or three years, I try and fit in with the new crowd, be liked, be pleasing towards other people. So I was never really enjoying myself or connecting to my own inner pleasure in any way. It was more just like, okay, what does everyone else think is cool? I'm going to do that. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that experience from being in school. But for me, that was really intensified from moving around so much. So I kind of had no idea who I was. I was just an amalgamation and never really enjoyed myself. And then ended up essentially being in a very traumatic relationship which took me from like not really enjoying life to feeling really depressed and dealing with a lot of substance addiction as well and so that was like a really big kind of hit rock bottom moment and then coming out of that relationship it's just been a gradual two steps forward one step back um, Mm. process of finding a way to first of all just enjoy my life and not feel depressed all the time and constantly relying on things to give me a little hit of happiness and then just feeling terrible again Mm. so kind of going from that to like setting a foundation of something hard to put words to it but um yeah setting a foundation where I feel kind of in balance um in the middle and I'm not constantly trying to bring myself up from depression so Mm -hmm. I've kind of got myself to this middle ground and now it's more about okay how do we really um exacerbate is not the word I'm looking for but exaggerate that and bring more and more pleasure in but in Mm -hmm. a balanced way that's not swinging from one side to the other yeah yeah I think a lot of people can probably relate to that feeling of you know just trying to get the the quick fixes and just trying to cling on to anything, whether it's drugs, food, alcohol, watching mindless shit on telly or on your phone. Um, we all have these little addictions that we kind of get stuck into to, to as a way to feel pleasure in the form of, I guess, dopamine um, as well. But then foundationally I think what you're saying you've created an actual foundation of enjoying life as a whole Mm. and then these you can draw on other experiences to amplify that pleasure and then come back to a foundation of enjoying life which I would call like your homeostasis like you're in you're in balance you're in neutrality and you actually just enjoy that that space that you're in um yeah it sounds it sounds similar to like the journey that I've been on honestly too where you're sort of just and every I think everyone can relate to this like at school you're trying to people please you're trying to fit in you're trying to just be liked and not get kicked out of the crowd and you kind of end up losing yourself a little bit um And then we go through this, like, who am I? What is life all about? And, yeah, a lot of reparenting, a lot of healing the inner child and then coming out the other side to want to share that with other people so they don't have to keep going through the same painful experiences. So, I'm, yeah, I'm with you there. And I want to know a little bit more about what is pleasure to you because, all of our minds right now are just heading straight for the gutter. And <laughs> I know in talking to you about this a little bit um, that it's not just about sexual pleasure or it's not just about, um, you know, addiction. It's, it's about a much more holistic approach. So can you talk to us about, um, in essence, what pleasure is to you and, why, and also why it's so important for us to experience pleasure in our life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll answer the first part of that question first. So why, what it is to me. Um, so a really good way for you, that you described it was homeostasis. So it's coming back to that middle ground. And for me, it's synonymous with presence. People talk a lot about being in the moment and just being here with your emotions um, at the time. It also is synonymous with 
the idea of inner smile, which comes from Buddhist practice typically. Um, it's a meditation that you can do as well, where you're kind of just getting your whole body to smile and feel amazing. Mm. So how I get people to tap into this really tangibly is this meditation that I've created, I suppose. It came to me in an inspired moment, and it's something that I really am trying to do all the time to maintain the sense of pleasure coming through my system. So this is my way of tangibly, tangibly explaining what it is to me. Mm-hmm. in my body it's I first of all bring about this feeling of laughter and when we laugh our whole face lights up our eyes light up our whole head everything kind of picks up a little bit our throats loosen and then coming from laughter down to love when we love this whole part of our bodies just feels oozy and amazing um I know you've done a lot of research with the heart math institute and you've got a good understanding around that which I'm sure you will explain (laughs) at some point um but opening up into this area of the body as well and feeling all the love there and actually extending that down to your fingertips as if you were going to hug someone Mm. and then coming down to lust so remembering the last time you had an amazing orgasm and just remembering how that feels in your entire lower body your hips all the way down to your feet so if you can just feel that together in your body um laugh love and lust all at the same time and allow that to really permeate and then to be really present with where you are so you've got this feeling going on in your body you're really present with everything that's going on around you for me that is just pleasurable essence in itself and then we can heighten that with other types of practices like sex with tantra um held in that container is less hedonistic and more about the pleasure and the enlightenment that comes through that Mm. but also things like finding more pleasure with our food because we're more connected to our bodies while we're eating and we're really present or going out for walks it could could apply to anything Mm -hmm. but yeah that's the best way I can describe what pleasure is for me Mm. it's so interesting because when you said um the inner smile like this is something that I feel um when I tap into, when I do my journal process every morning, um, I tap into my body first. I ask how my body's feeling and I write down how my body's feeling. And sometimes there's little pain, little niggles. Sometimes I feel energetic. Sometimes I feel tired in my body. Then I go to my mind and I, and I write down what thoughts I might be having at the time. And then I tap into what I call my soul, um, call it whatever you want. It might be the voice of the universe or God or your higher self or whatever. Um, I call it my soul. And a lot of the time I write down that my soul is smiling, like just a, it's, it's a really slight, like little smile that I feel in my soul. And it's just super interesting that there's actually a, there's a, the Buddhists, they already know this, like, I'm so surprised <laughs> that I'm not the only person <laughs> that that feels this. Um, which saying, you know, saying this out loud, it's like, of course. But yeah, I hadn't heard that um before. So yeah, that's really cool. And then and then I want you guys to be able to um get a bit of visual going here too, because I know that you're just listening. But when Katie's um, explaining the laughter, she's pointing to her head. Um, And then when she's explaining the love, she's pointing to her heart. And then the lust, she's pointing to, you know, where. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And that's, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's your chakras that you're referring to as well. Yeah. Yeah. So when I take that practice deeper, it's more like laughter in the third eye, love in the mm-hmm. heart and um, lust in either your sacral center or sexual center, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just wanted you guys to get that visual because it's powerful to sit here and watch you use your expressive um, gestures <laughs> as well. So why do people need to 
you obviously believe, you know, it's a it's an essential thing for, for people to tap into this. Otherwise, you wouldn't be passionate about coaching it. So why do we need to experience this type of pleasure, not the type um, of pleasure that is just short-lived, which would be the addictions to things like drugs, alcohol, sex, porn, food, uh, your phone, watching other things. Yeah. So why, why do we need this deeper level of pleasure in our life? I think in a lot of ways, it's, it's not the only thing we're here to experience, but I think it's a big part of what we're here to experience. I have a very particular worldview, which comes from the tantric way of looking at things. So interpret this in whatever way um, suits your worldview and your version of reality. Um, But bringing through that pleasure is kind of what our soul's here to do. In a lot of ways, we bring reincarnated here in this place, in this world, in order to play. Like the world is like a giant playground. (laughs) There's so many (laughs) things we can do here. And I truly believe that we are here to create. So a lot of people say we're here to procreate. That's kind of why we're here. All of our evolutionary biological factors really push us towards this procreation thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think we're there to do that in so many other ways as well. So creating businesses, creating relationships, creating friendships, creating projects, whatever that might be, I think we are here to just create and play and you can't create from a place of depression I've Mm -hmm. spent a lot of time feeling (laughs) I'm going to to describe what my body's like so my shoulders coming in my head down my chest back and just feeling so insular and trying to create from my mind being like what should I do and creating this place creating from a place of fear where it's really forced whether that's trying to get into a relationship or it's trying to create business. Whereas when you're creating from a place of pleasure, it physically pulls your shoulders back, (laughs) your breasts forward, (laughs) you lift your chin up and you're creating from a place of enjoyment and excitement. It's it's like, oh, like, yay, what can I make? What can I do? And it's, it's coming from your body. It's coming from your soul. It's coming from a much deeper place than this fear amygdala like oh what should we do (laughs) response so I guess the reason I feel pleasure is so important is in order to fulfill our destiny (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah I feel that so much and you mentioned the um heart math institute I I do I'd have to like do a refresher on on their um specific the way they explain it, but I've, I've done a lot of listening to Dr. Joe Dispenza lately and he, mm-hmm. um, he really practices a lot of what they do as well, which is bringing your um, heart into coherence with the rest of you. So it's raising your vibrational frequency um, as humans, we, as beings, as particles, <laughs> we all vibrate. Um, and we all just are made of energy and our emotions that we feel influence the actual frequency that we vibrate at. And so when you are feeling this level of pleasure, I'm assuming that you are in a high vibrational state, you would definitely be, you know, vibing high. Um, And it is said like a lot of the work that Dr. Joe Dispenza does, you know, he says that you are then able to create, like he Mm. uses those exact words as well. When you're in that state, you can create. Um, And he says, you know, you, it's not that you can't create when you're in a low vibrational frequency. And when you're not in heart coherence, it's not that you can't create. It's just that you do it from a place of force. You do it from a place of, pain you will cheat you will lie you will manipulate in order to create what you want and it'll take a lot longer and you won't be fulfilled on the other side of it but if you create from a place of love and pleasure and gratitude and all of those good things um 
you know, there's there's fulfillment in the process and, and then it doesn't even really matter about the result. It's just a process of enjoying exactly what you're doing in this moment. So, um, yeah, I definitely agree that that is what we're here to do. We're not here to, we're not here to force ourselves into any certain reality. We're here to feel into our intuition and trust, um, trust that guidance of where do we want to go next from a place of curiosity from like, it's like tapping back into your childhood self that was just free to play. And as we get older, we just really snuff out that whole playfulness and we get very serious about life. And it's like, tap back into that. It's so fun. Life is fun. We're here to play. So I'm I'm with you there. I'm I'm feeling the passion right now. It's good. <laughs> um, but you have changed. Um, you've ch- changed paths a few times. As I said, you started as a yoga teacher, then you went into healing period pain and PMS for women. Then you're a women's health coach, and now you've changed again into a, a pleasure coach. Each time you've pivoted, can you tell us what has been the driving force behind that that change? Because I've also pivoted in my life and I know like this is coming from a place of experiencing it, that it can be scary, it can be really hard, that people-pleasing mindset can come out and the fear of what others think comes out. And a lot of people don't change because they're so scared of all of these things like they're scared of the unknown they're scared of the unfamiliar so they would just stay the same and I think it's really cool that you've pivoted a lot um like me and like so many others I was um interviewing my cousin Tom Noski and his his podcast is up now and he actually calls himself a professional pivoter because he just (laughs) has so many containers that he works in he's an athlete he's a uh, photographer, videographer, artist. Yeah. So he just, you know, he's pivoting all the time. So tell us, um, yeah, what was the driving force behind these, these changes? Yeah, that's such a great question. And it really relates back to um, creating from a place of fear and depression and creating from a place of pleasure. So mm. and a perfect example. So First of all, going into my yoga teacher training, that was very much a, I'm a little bit messed up right now and I need some help. (laughs) India helped me. Um, So I traveled to India and yeah. And so going on from my yoga teacher training, that was quite strict and quite masculine and all my teachers were male. So Mm -hmm. I think I rebelled against that and was like, I want to do women's work. Mm. And and knowing that I knew that there was something they were missing and I kept asking questions about how is this different for women what were on our periods and all that kind of thing I just felt really ignored actually in those Mm. questions Mm -hmm. um it was just like yoga is the same for everyone follow your guru kind of situation (laughs) um what's the problem (laughs) <laughs> yeah I god I'm bleeding <laughs> so yeah that was the initial dive into women's work generally speaking um and to be honest the focus on period pain and PMS was within women's work I was told from various businessy minded people that pain sells so the mm. first thing you know, women experience period pain. So I'm going to go into that and really help women with that. And that's something that I'm going to feel great about doing because I'm working with women, but it's also going to make me money because I'm selling this idea of healing pain, Mm -hmm. which I don't know if you can tell while I'm talking about it now, but it just does not feel aligned or good. It's quite clearly coming from this fear-based money-making creation place. Mm -hmm. So then was like I don't want to do this anymore and I was actually doing some coaching with you at the time I remember being like I'm having a midlife crisis <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do when you're like 
20, how old were you there? Having a midlife crisis? Let's call it quarter like, life crisis. 22 or something. Um, a business crisis, I suppose. And so expanded into women's health therapy and was loving that because I could talk about whatever I wanted within that. And then the fear-based, mind-based thinking came back in. And I was like, no, this isn't going to make me money. It's not niche enough. I need to go into fertility. Like that's such an area where people are already doing a lot of work. It makes a lot of sense as a big target audience. Um, people have money that are ready to set up and have kids. So it just seemed like a really perfect business idea. Um, but again, just like fertility, amazing, but not my passion, not my path and coming from not the right place so I then just took a massive step back from the whole thing and didn't do anything for months came back into the women's health therapy thinking that was going to be the opening and the experience that I'd had before when I opened up to it but actually again it wasn't the right place so now after doing some work and some healing and not really trying to heal other people's health issues through healing my own and all that kind of twisted psychological stuff going on as I said coming to that foundation of homeostasis presence pleasure that was coming through so much in my personal life that it just made sense to bring that into my business and just be like fuck it I'm a pleasure coach (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and it's so it's so relatable to like any coach that might listen to this or people who aren't coaching and just giving say mentorship or advice to people that they love and people that are leaning on them as a coach you're only ever one step ahead of your clients I believe um Mm. you know maybe a few steps ahead but there's the gap is never exponential um and so as you're as you're experiencing these things in life and as you're changing, you're going to attract the people that are in the same sort of, as I'm talking about vibrations again, but in the same vibrational frequency. So if you're creating from a place of pain, then you're going to attract people that are in pain and also they're probably going to trigger some of your pain that you haven't worked through yet either. So it can become this, as you were talking about, like this kind of weird dynamic where you're you're coaching things that you haven't worked through and it can it can start to be a real struggle. Whereas if you're coming from a place of like, I've just moved through this in my life and I'm really fucking excited that I've created this pleasurable life experience and I want to share it with people from a place of just really wanting to share it and wanting to attract people that need this in their life um yeah like it's chalk and cheese between the two Mm -hmm. um and I should mention too like as you're talking about that you weren't fulfilled in in these um in these niche areas I worked with Katie when I was trying to get pregnant And she was amazing at what she, at her knowledge was incredible and is incredible still in those areas, I'm sure. Um, And I found it just such an empowering experience to work with her about my womanhood, about my menstrual cycle, learning how to naturally track it myself, learning how and when I'm ovulating and I got pregnant very quickly once I started trying with my partner. So um, it's not that Katie was no good and <laughs> not getting results <laughs> in these areas. She was very good and is very good at what she does. Um, but it's more that, you know, she, she wasn't feeling fulfilled in herself. And that's the reason mm. why, um, why you changed. And I think that's, that's important to note. It wasn't because you were failing by any means. Um, you were getting results, but it just wasn't fulfilling for you. And, Mm. you know, that's how I felt at the end of cycling. It's like, it's not that I wasn't getting anything out of it anymore. And I was still a professional. I was still getting a contract for the following year. And, but it was just unfulfilling for me as a, Mm. as a pathway 
for my life trajectory. <laughs> um, yeah. And I'm sure you can relate to that. I needed cycling in order to be who I am and where I am today. I wouldn't be mm. the same person had I not gone through that, but um grateful to have made that massive change, even though it was scary. So yeah. yeah. That's a, a, a really important thing to bring in. Um as I was saying that I've managed to find pleasure in the present moment. And I've also managed to find pleasure in my manifestation and thinking about amazing things that are going to happen in the future. But mm. something I'm still working through and probably will always be working through is not rewriting my past, but reframing my past and remembering the pleasure in those times. Because I think when you're in a bit a slightly depressed state or a low vibrational state you're viewing your world through that lens and you're storing information and memories that fit in with that and yes your subconscious might be storing the whole thing and your unconscious is really storing the whole thing <laughs> but your your memory of things when you were in a bad place can be quite distorted mm-hmm. so not that necessarily then I was in a really bad place, but looking back on times maybe in relationship with people and I think people can really relate to this. We look back on past relationships as being really toxic and terrible and I hate that person and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, but actually there was, you were with that person for a long time. You were in love with them. And the reality is that there was thousands of beautiful moments, um, maybe not thousands, but <laughs> whatever it might be. Mm. So this is something I'm working on at the moment is going back through my past and reframing these memories that are really still um, not keeping me up at night, but they're the things that come to me when I'm in a down place, that memory that comes through that's really painful. And can I look back on that memory and think, actually, was there pleasure in that moment that I just didn't have the capacity to feel at the time? And can I look back on it and reframe it and like sprinkle a little bit of pleasure into that memory so that every time I think of it, it doesn't bring up loads of pain, but there's a bit of a new light shone on it. Mm. That's super interesting. And I'm wondering, like for the people out there listening that have experienced really traumatic things, is this something that they can go back into uh, and a specific event that was traumatic and and reframe that because I imagine that that would be a really hard process and maybe quite triggering as well like what would you say to someone that's like listening going yeah right like that like that's going to happen like this thing that ruined years of my life um, how do I go back and and reframe that to find pleasure in it Mm, mm. amazing amazing thing to point out because it's not easy um this is something that I've been trained to do through hypnotherapy but Mm. when I'm working by myself I ask the same questions that I'd ask a quite a client and lead them through the the same journey lead myself through the same journey but I do it by journaling instead so I'll just ask the questions Mm. and then write out whatever comes through so I would recommend having a facilitator there of some kind if you're going into a really traumatic memory. But there's also memories that are traumatic but are kind of funny. And I'll give an example um, (laughs) that we can probably go into by ourselves and feel quite safe and held by our own emotional capacity. Mm. But even then in saying that, you need to have developed some kind of emotional capacity and you need to be able to sit with heavy emotions So that might be where we start is just learning to feel emotions in the body and developing those coping mechanisms. But once you've got a bit of a foundation where you know that you can go into therapy, go into these memories and bring yourself out and be okay, then you're ready to go in. So I use the family systems way of working. A lot of people would have heard of inner child work, but there's also inner mother, inner father. And one of the memories I took myself back to yesterday, so I'll talk you through this, is an inner child memory where I must have been six years old and I was sat in the lunch hall. All my friends had gone out to play, but I was made to stay and sit there by myself 
with the head teacher like looming over me and she was terrifying and she was trying to make me eat this food that I didn't want to eat and the food was yeah the food was essentially food that I'd seen my mum like be repulsed by so I was just like no way like mum doesn't like it I don't like it kind of thing but what I realized is what I learned from that memory is that when I and this often often happens when I feel really anxious around eating now is that I learned at that time that when I feel stressed around food I feel isolated from my friends I feel controlled and terrified like someone's gonna make me do it I feel disgusted by the food and I actually feel really low energy as well because I've not eaten enough and Mm. all of that comes in and can now even now if I'm not in the best place when I sit down to eat I can feel really stressed so Mm. this has been an ongoing journey with food it's a lot more complicated than this but this is just one memory that I've really pinpointed as the start of my difficult relationship with food so what I did was with a strong visualization of that memory and really allowed myself to feel how that little girl felt like isolated, terrified, like disgusted and really low energy and just sad, really allowed myself to feel that. And then as the woman that I am now, I imagine myself coming into that memory, picking that little girl up and just holding her and hugging her and saying, I know, like, I know how you're feeling right now and it's terrible I'm here feeling it with you and then I look at Miss Austin <laughs> and the first thing I do is I make her a lot smaller so she's not this big scary thing looming over me but she's smaller she's my height and I say to her that I've got compassion and for you to do something like this to a small child you must be pretty messed up yourself and I think it's time for you to go back to your office and Mm. reflect on how you've behaved Mm -hmm. and then the next really really important step and this is the final step is asking the little girl where do you want to go do you want to stay here do you want to go somewhere else do you want to come back to the present with me and this can change every time but what came through in this visualization was to take her to this picnic where she's surrounded by friends and family and she's she's feeling connected she's She's feeling autonomous. She can make the decision about what she does and doesn't want to eat. There's loads there. She feels delighted by the spread in front of her. And she feels energized because she's had loads of food and she has the energy to go and play with her friends. And so I really, really visualized that and made that really big. And then I've created this thing for myself because I am actually really struggling around eating at the moment. Um, And I have this in front of me when I'm eating and I imagine myself at the picnic and ask myself can I feel this way can I feel connected autonomous delighted and energized um so yeah that that honestly has been a really powerful shift a really powerful reframing and I woke up this morning and like sat down ate my breakfast imagining myself in this pleasurable delightful picnic instead of this terrible lunch hall where I'm just like oh um So yes, that is an example of how you can go in, reframe a memory, but then really integrate it by doing this part um, and bringing yourself into that place. Oh, I had goosebumps that whole time. That is, yeah, that's really special. And I think for everyone listening, for anything that you are struggling with, if nothing changes, nothing changes. If you don't change anything, these memories that hold you in your past, you know, that you can't seem to just break through the the limiting beliefs that you have and all of the stories, all of the old stories that are holding you back, if you don't choose to go and change them, then nothing changes in the future. You will keep creating the same story over and over again and you know, this is coming from, as Katie just shared, someone she's personally struggling with and has struggled in the past with eating and she's doing the work and she's finding breakthroughs herself. And imagine if you as a listener could, like imagine a story that you have right now that is 
kind of sprinkling its its shit <laughs> into your <laughs> daily life and it's just always there and it's icky and it's gross and you just wish that you could get rid of it um, and imagine that it is 100% a possibility that you can move through because a lot of people I think don't feel like it's a possibility with past traumas mm. to move through it it's something that's so painful that they won't even go into the emotion. Like you said, sometimes it's just about learning how to feel that emotion first mm. as a first step before you even go into a, say a visualization or a, a hypnotherapy session. Um, that can be that first step can be like the most, the hardest step often mm. is to, be sitting on the other side of then listening to this podcast and actually going, okay, I'm going to take action now instead of just consuming an hour's worth of talking and then deciding to go back to my old ways and not do anything about it. It's like you've got a choice right now to change something and change the trajectory of your whole life. And I think that goes back to what we were saying before where I got you to talk to us about you pivoting. You know, you choose mm-hmm. to change. Had you not done that, then shit's just going to stay the same and you're going to keep on feeling unfulfilled in what was your business back then. Mm. So I'm curious, talk us, you've just talked a bit about what seems to be part of your morning routine or morning morning ritual. Um, Mm. Talk us through a day in the life of Katie. You don't have to go into every little nitty gritty like, I get up, I go to the toilet. Um, You don't have to go there, (laughs) but talk us through the key, like your key rituals or your key routines that you make an absolute priority in your day. And, you know, with, with a little bit of wiggle room, we all miss a session here and there, but like what are your key rituals and routines that you do every day? Hmm. So it's funny you start with a toilet, but honestly that is where I start (laughs) um we don't want to know about you no go go sorry yeah no no it's all right I was gonna say it's intentional um I learned this in my health coaching it's the RPM method so R R being rise P P being P and then M being meditate so that is genuinely how I start my day and it is so important because if I don't RPM then the meditation just goes and goes and goes and just doesn't really end up happening (laughs) right yeah yeah so rise pee meditate and then my actual morning practice is quite extensive and it's based on tantric beliefs and practices I suppose so I first of all connect with the elements which literally just means putting my feet on the ground getting my face in the sun drinking some water um lighting some incense and then just saying a prayer of gratitude to the universe for being in existence so that's just my first of all like I'm here in this space Mm -hmm. then I'll do alternate nostril breathing to balance the air that's the other element that I forgot to mention (laughs) um and just ask all of those elements to sit inside my body in a really nice way as I go throughout the day especially my breath so just asking it to come in really calmly instead of that short, sharp chest breathing that we all are quite familiar mm-hmm. with. So that's the most important thing. And then I usually move into my laugh, love, lust visualization to bring that pleasure through into my body. Mm-hmm. I'll then move into a deity meditation where I work with a particular goddess called Kali um, and just bring her energy into me as well and then I move into my oming and drumming so connecting to the sound of the universe and again just calming my nervous system then journaling and then dance and, and and then sometimes affirmations as well which I know sounds really extensive and I would actually never recommend anyone do this as their morning practice it, as a place to start it's just something that's come up and I feel like each of those elements are so important to my day and then if I don't do one of those things I feel a bit off Mm -hmm. so yes it's extensive it's probably not necessary for everyone but I am a highly 
emotionally sensitive person and I really need to do this stuff to keep myself at a place where I'm able to enjoy my day and experience pleasure. So after that, breakfast, do a bit of work, lunch, and then like have a nap, go for a swim, chill, just have a really nice few hours after lunch. And then sometimes I might come back home and do a bit of coaching with clients, or I might just go and socialize and have a nice time. I'm really big on just enjoying my life and not allowing the pressure of building a massive multi-million dollar business to rule what I actually want to be doing I don't believe I'm here to build a massive business I just think I'm here to enjoy myself and show other people how to do that as well Mm -hmm. yeah we were talking um just before I press record about my morning routine and um I thought mine was (laughs) excessive (laughs) um but it's totally like I I'm I'm on the same level. I understand where you're coming from in, in yours because mine is expanding at the moment as well. And Mm. like I shared with Katie before we got on the call that I've been really leveling up just in general as a human. And part of that, a lot of that is due to my morning ritual changing and growing and becoming a really pleasurable experience actually, rather than one that you know, I used to, and I've actually recorded a podcast about this, so I won't go into too much depth, but I used to just force my morning ritual or routine Mm. um, based on a set of, a set of steps that were just recommended to me because, you know, that's what everyone should do in their morning. Um, And so the athlete in me is like, yes, I will comply. Yes, I will do my training. (laughs) Um, and now it's become more of a soul thing where I'm like, what, what do I feel? Uh, what do I want to lean into in this ritual? And what's come out the other side is a really awesome practice that includes breath work, meditation and journaling. And the meditation has two parts. One is a letting go part. The the next part is a visualization. So for me, that might take half an hour in total on a on a longer day and if I'm pressed for time for whatever reason it might be a 10 minute thing so you know if you're starting out with a morning routine or ritual don't feel like it has to go for an hour or two it it might just be a five minute breath work or it might just be having a glass of water and stepping out and feeling the sun on your face those two things are super valuable and really really good for your health mental and physical so um yeah don't feel overwhelmed by our extensive morning routines although I think your your rituals are they sound beautiful and they sound like you know something that I would also love to just be there in your space and doing together um Mm -hmm. it's kind of got that magnetic vibe about it um we again to change the tone my next question is about challenges in life um you've you've said that you've experienced some some trauma in your past what has been your kryptonite and the second part because there's always two parts to my questions right what's been your kryptonite and what has helped you overcome that challenge I know I'm going to sound like an idiot, but kryptonite is like your Achilles heel, isn't it? It's like what, what kind of... Yes, sorry. Um, yeah, your Achilles heel. <laughs> yeah, so what crushed me down initially was, I suppose, divorce, which then led to me being more open to an abusive relationship. But I'd say the abusive relationship was definitely the thing that like really took me down. So when you say and, divorce, is that your parents divorcing or yeah, 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 yeah not yeah. not me. <laughs> so yeah. when I was younger, my parents got divorced. I know a lot of people have had that experience, but it set me up to be more open to an abusive relationship. Um, the biggest thing I suppose that really took me down was the emotional and sexual abuse. 
And the reason I'm highlighting that is because it's been it's actually been such a diamond in disguise that that happened mm. because I've now got this like incredible emotional capacity and I was so harshly woken up to how terrible sex can be mm. and then played that out again and again in other interactions with other people that I really dove deep into the the wound the darkness the shadow of sex and what that can be and it's really allowed me to see that and actually become awakened to my own sexual pleasure in a lot of ways but also just my own sexuality my own vagina and like what it does and doesn't want to feel so Mm -hmm. that's where it started um with that and then it's just yeah I've kind of re-traumatized myself and looking back I was inviting in the same kind of relationships well not accident subconsciously inviting in the same kind of relationships because it was familiar it wanted to be healed whatever it may be but but essentially just lots of different types of sexual trauma that have been interwoven with emotional issues depression and have led to substance abuse as well Mm -hmm. it's just kind of made this ball of darkness that I've gradually been able to like hold and love and use as something to grow from like the lotus flower right it dives deep into the mud and gets its roots down and then it blossoms above the pond (laughs) so currently blossoming and it feels pretty amazing (laughs) love it um and this to be honest this is tricky to talk about and hear or listen to um in the sexual context so I just want to make it really clear that I'm speaking about my own experience and not anyone else's Mm, but yeah and that like as you're saying that um that brings up what we were talking about before for me when I was asking um you know how do people go back into their trauma and and heal it um like that is a, a massive traumatic experience that you've had the the pleasure of of going through a journey of healing um healing this part of yourself and healing also all of the I guess resentment that you might have for other people and learning to forgive them and also forgive yourself for how you reacted like leaning towards um, substances to help you cope and also I think a a lot of um, would you agree that when you're repetitively welcoming in people in, into your life that don't value you. So this can be in any capacity, whether it's in intimate relationships or whether it's in business or friendships or, you know, whatever it is, when you kind of settle for less and you settle for people treating you like crap, often mm. what I find is that it's a reflection of how you feel about yourself on the inside. Like you are, feeling not worthy, not deserving of love. Um, And as you said, this is a subconscious pattern that plays out. So it becomes quite familiar. And then true love can feel like a threat and like so unfamiliar that it feels scary and, and just like something that you want to avoid initially um, if you haven't done the, the healing work. So I was kind of just asking, like, would you would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that insecurity and not knowing my own power and not knowing that I'm a goddess, to be honest, (laughs) made me just think that, like, anything that I can do for love and attention and touch is like great. If anyone wants to give me that, I don't care who you are. And actually. I you know being a redhead at school was bullied for that and thought I was ugly and all that nonsense so thinking like I'm ugly I'm not attractive and if someone's willing to show me love then amazing but also like I kind of hate myself a little bit and if someone wants to hate on me and hate on my body then I'm okay with that because it fits into my version of reality it fits into the way that I see myself Mm -hmm. and it was only through 
remembering my power and remembering that I'm a goddess and I say that with a smile on my face but I really do mean it like remembering that I am divine and that my womb can birth a soul like (laughs) what like this body this womb is like actually amazing and realizing that when I even get a sniff of someone not knowing that this is a temple that you're meant to worship I'm not even like sexually attracted I'm just like Mm. You don't get it, babe. <laughs> <laughs> you repel me. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I feel that. vibration, isn't it? Yeah. How did you how did you overcome? Like what actually helped you overcome this? Because you've gone from someone who's experienced sexual trauma to a pleasure coach, which, you know, that's obviously a massive aspect of being a pleasure coach is helping people find sexual pleasure um Mm. and you know the kind that's actually true sexual pleasure not the kind that's just like yeah I had a had an orgasm or I had sex with my partner and it kind of felt good or whatever it's it's true like soul level what do you call them? Explosive orgasms and <laughs> <laughs> etc. So what helped you get from that place to where you are now? Mm. So I have to say um, that my ex-partner, he just basically held the space for me to go into sex and to cry if I needed to to scream if I needed to to freeze if I needed to to so I I what I'm essentially saying is I was really lucky to find someone who was willing to hold the space for my emotional release that was happening in a sexual context um but also to be okay with where I'm at at any time so I was really lucky to find a man that knew my power, that knew I was divine, that knew I was a goddess, even when I didn't know it, Mm. and helped me to remember that. Mm. But to be honest, the real healing happened when I came back to the UK and I was on my own, because then then there was no one to hold my hand. And I really had to learn to emotionally release and hold myself not have someone else hold me so what I'm getting at <laughs> is a lot of sex and a lot of crying basically <laughs> um and I can go into more specific practices if you if you'd like around releasing trauma from the womb I don't know if that's where you want me to go with that question I think if if people have um you know if people have questions that they want to dive into it would be awesome to reach out to you to get like the more specifics. But yeah, I think that's, that's super powerful knowing that, you know, you found someone that was willing to hold space for you and just hold you. Like we all just want that, right? We all just want to be seen, heard, felt, understood and, and accepted for who we actually truly are and Mm. to not have to mask it. Um. And for that person to look at you in all of your mess and just and hold you anyway is beautiful. And then to come out of that relationship and to be doing it solo and now you're holding yourself um, is super powerful and is the reason, you know, why your work is really healing for other people because you've experienced massive healing yourself. You know, you, you you can't coach people or hold space for them or hold them in this container of healing if you haven't experienced a level of it yourself. Like you say, you're a goddess. <laughs> and something um, I do just want to clarify for anyone listening is that you don't need to find a man that can show you that you're a goddess. I just mm-hmm. didn't know that at the time, so I needed that. But you can find that within yourselves. You can find your self-acceptance. You can hold yourself. You can show yourself that you're a goddess. You can do things that take you out of your comfort zone that show you that that you're an amazing person that can achieve an amazing things. And Mm. from that place, you can heal yourself. You don't need someone else. Yeah, that's such an important point. When When you found this guy, where were you in your journey? Like, I'm just curious 
where you had you already started a bit of healing or were you just still quite depressed or had your energy changed like just to attract this person into your life where where were you in life um I was sick of shit I think yeah (laughs) so I I'd been a couple of years out of this relationship still definitely engaging in sex with people that was not like good for my soul in any way Mm. um but I had said like fuck it I'm moving to Australia I'm not going to be depressed anymore I'm not relying on substances like I'm going to heal so I was definitely still in a very bad place and pretty much at the beginning of my healing journey I hadn't really done any work apart from acknowledge the fact that there was work that needed to be done mm-hmm. um but there was definitely just this vibe of like I'm excited about life and I know there's more than this I know I can do more and then I just happened to attract the perfect person that could enjoy life with me but also in those dark moments could be really there for me as well mm. I'm so glad that your answer aligned with what I wanted to say. <laughs> Don't you love it when that happens? It's like once you once you make that choice where you where you're like I'm I'm going to change my life and I actually am going to lean into where I want to go and stop going back to where I have been in the past. Then the universe throws you everything that you need in order to make that happen. I'm going to ask you now some questions that I ask everyone. Um, (laughs) What is the number one thing that you would tell a past version of yourself if you could travel back to a point in time where you knew you just really, really needed it? So I know that you brought us that beautiful experience of yourself at school um, and you've held yourself and given yourself advice is there another is there another time in your life where you would go back and and just hold yourself and tell her exactly what she needed to hear Mm. for me it's remember you're a goddess Mm. what do you mean when you say that I was gonna say I know I throw that word around a bit but for me it really means something for me it means it means that feeling in my body when I have pleasure pulsing through me. So first of all, as soon as I say that I'm a goddess, I'm like, yes, I am. I'm laughing. I'm loving. I'm lustful. Like, so that energy comes through, but it's also like you are divine. You were put here to be and create and do amazing things. So don't let anyone, um, I'm visualizing it but I'm struggling to find the words to say it but don't let anyone oppress or you know put a dimmer over your light you are bright you're shining bright you're a goddess don't forget it yeah Mm. and I'm I'm like I'm just getting up the Dr Google but I want to find (laughs) out the stat that do you know it the statistic that says out of it's like one in 400 trillion or something like that of the chances of you actually being born. I think it is something like that. I know yeah. it's in the trillions. It's a ridiculous percentage yeah. or chance, whatever. Let's just say that it's around that. And if you want to clarify, um, you can get out Google and have a look. But it's something like the chances of you being here is one in 400 trillion. So when Katie says like, I am divine and there's a reason that I'm here. It's so true. And I feel that so potently in myself as well and in every other person ever. Um, What does self-love mean to you? Mm. (laughs) Um, I think self-love for me is actually quite practical. It's given, it's, giving myself time to do the things that I love that make me feel loved it's yeah it's it's a hard one to answer for some reason but yeah being disciplined it's all all these things that like do your practice do your like eat well eat for yourself eat for your body just just love yourself do what's right for you yes yeah that's really interesting um and I I would define that as part of 
self-love. So there's a part that's like learn to rest, learn how to sit the fuck down and sit in silence and do nothing and have no agenda and just relax and love yourself. And then there's the other part that's be disciplined, do your morning routines, do your rituals, do the things that light you up and don't just veg out on the couch and consume shit content just because it's easier than doing a meditation. Um, Yeah. You know, it's both of those. It's the duality. But, yes, it is definitely there is a a large part of it is the discipline as well. Um, What is next for you? What's coming up in your life? What excites (laughs) you? Um. I just love dancing at the moment. So I'm running a lot of ecstatic. I'm running an ecstatic dance sexuality workshop on the 22nd of July. If you're in Brighton, get down there. If you're in Australia, I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) So it's just a in-person thing. There's no like live. I can zoom in and do ecstatic dance in my bedroom. We haven't sorted that out to be fair. We haven't even really thought about it, but um yeah, I am. I'm going to be streaming some tantra yoga classes as well, so cool. you can access those online. And I would, yeah, I, maybe I will think more about doing some live ecstatic dances. That sounds fun. <laughs> that does sound fun. I would definitely um, come in for that. So when you say you've mentioned this tantra a few times, like what is tantra? And yeah, it gives a little rundown for the people that don't know, myself included. Okay. <laughs> So massive, massive concept that is historically difficult to define as well. So I'm going to do my best here. Please. It's a tradition that came in India around the same time as yoga. So they sort of evolved together and there's lots of crossover. Um, I say Tantra yoga, which has become an accepted term now, but they were initially separate paths. Mm. It's essentially everything you know about yoga and the root of yoga is to find union with oneself and one's external environment. Whereas Tantra, the root of that is more about expansion. So if yoga is union coming into yourself. Tantra is expansion and bringing that union with self out into the world and being able to enjoy things like sex is obviously a big part of Tantra, but also food and all the other things. It's all just about enjoying life so finding enlightenment through the everyday through the mundane through the material instead of finding enlightenment by meditating in a cave for 40 years which like there's nothing wrong with that at all it's just different people's paths but yeah Mm. tantra is just for the more worldly 21st century kind of person (laughs) i like it i think i might subscribe to this way of life (laughs) awesome how how can people find you where are you on the socials yeah so the best place to find me is on instagram i'm katie underscore cali sartre and i'm sure you can find that in the show notes yes um yeah i put everything about my life on there there's my website as well but you can find all of that through instagram yeah awesome it has been an epic conversation And I am so excited to get this out to everyone. Thank you so much, Katie. I definitely think we need to jump on and have another discussion at some point and dig further into the world of pleasure and what it means um, for all of us. But, yeah, thank you again for being here.